Section number 107 of China, Japan, and the Islands of the Pacific. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World Story, Volume 1, China, Japan, and the Islands of the Pacific. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 107. How Japanese Ladies Go Shopping. By Alice M. Bacon. There are in Japan a few great merchants whose word may be trusted, and whose obligations will be fulfilled with absolute honesty. But a large part of the buying and selling is still in the hands of mercantile freebooters, who will take an advantage wherever it is possible to get one, in whose morality honesty has no place, and who have not yet discovered the efficacy of that virtue simply as a matter of policy. Their trade, conducted in a small way upon small means, is more of the nature of a game, in which one person is the winner and the other the loser, than a fair exchange, in which both parties obtain what they want. It is the medieval, not the modern idea of business, that is still held among Japanese merchants. With them, trade is a warfare between buyer and seller, in which every man must take all possible advantage for himself, and it is the lookout of the other party, if he, is cheated. In Tokyo, the greatest and most modernized of the cities of the empire, the shops are not the large city stores that one sees in European and American cities, but little open-fronted rooms, on the edge of which one sits to make one's purchases, while the proprietor smiles and bows and dickers setting his price by the style of his customer's dress or her apparent ignorance of the value of the desired article some few large dry goods stores there are where prices are set and dickering is unnecessary and in the kwankoba or bazaars one may buy almost anything needed by japanese of all classes from house furnishings to foreign hats at prices plainly marked upon them and from which there is no variation but one's impression of the state of trade in japan is that it is still in a very primitive and undeveloped condition and is surprisingly behind the other parts of japanese civilization the shopping of the ladies of the large yashkis and of wealthy families is done mostly in the home for all the stores are willing at any time on receiving an order to send up a clerk with a bale of crepes silks and cottons tied to his back and frequently towering high above his head as he walks making him look like the proverbial ant with a grain of wheat he sets his great bundle carefully down on the floor opens the enormous furushiki or bundle handkerchief in which it is enveloped and takes out roll after roll of silk or chintz neatly done up in paper or yellow cotton with infinite patience he waits while the merits of each piece are examined and discussed and if none of his stock proves satisfactory he is willing to come again with a new set of wares knowing that in the end purchases will be made sufficient to cover all his trouble the less aristocratic people are content to go to the stores themselves and the business streets of a japanese city such as the ginza in tokyo are full of women young and old as well as merry children who enjoy the life and bustle of the stores like all things else in japan shopping takes plenty of time at mitsui's the largest silk store in tokyo one will see crowds of clerks sitting upon the matted floors each with his sorabon or adding 
machine by his side and innumerable small boys who rushed to and fro carrying armfuls of fabrics to the different clerks or picking up the same fabrics after the customer who has called for them has departed the store appears to the foreign eye to be simply a roofed and matted platform upon which both clerks and customers sit this platform is screened from the street by dark blue cotton curtains or awnings hung from the low projecting eaves of the heavy roof as the customers take their seats either on the edge of the platform or if they have come on an extended shopping bout upon the straw mat of the platform itself a small boy appears with tea for the party an obsequious clerk greets them with the customary salutations of welcome pushes the charcoal brazier toward them that they may smoke or warm their hands on before proceeding to business and then waits expectantly for the name of the goods that his customers desire to see when this is given the work begins the little boys are summoned and are soon sent off to the great fireproof warehouse which stands with the heavy doors thrown open on the other side of the platform away from the street through the doorway one can see endless piles of costly stuffs stored safely away and from these piles the boys select the required fabric loading themselves down with them so that they can barely stagger under the weights that they carry as the right goods are not always brought the first time and as moreover there is an endless variety in the colors and patterns in even one kind of silk there is always plenty of time for watching the busy scene for sipping tea or smoking a few whiffs from the tiny pipes that so many japanese both men and women carry always with them when the purchase is at last made there is still some time to be spent by the customer in waiting until the clerk has made an abstruse calculation upon his soroban the transaction has been entered into the books of the firm and a long bill has been written and stamped and handed to her with the bundle during her stay in the store the foreign customer making her first visit to the place is frequently startled by loud shouts from the whole staff of clerks and small boys outcries so sudden so simultaneous and so stentorian that she cannot rid herself of the idea that something terrible is happening every time that they occur she soon learns however that these manifestations of energy are but the way in which the japanese merchant speeds the departing purchaser and that the apparently inarticulate shouts are but the formal phrase thanks for your continued favors which is repeated in loud tone by every employee in the store whenever a customer departs when she herself is at last ready to leave a chorus of yells arises this time for her benefit and as she skips into the jinrikisha and is whirled away she hears continued the busy hum of voices the clattering of sorabands the thumping of the bare feet of the heavily laden boys and the shouts of thanks with which the departing guests are honored there is less pomp and circumstance about the smaller stores for all the goods are within easy reach and the shops for household utensils and chinaware seem to have nearly the whole stock in trade piled up in front or even in the street itself many such little places are the homes of the people who keep them and at the back are rooms which serve for dwelling rooms opening upon well-kept gardens the whole work of the store is often attended to by the proprietor assisted by his wife and family and perhaps one or two apprentices each of the workers in turn takes an occasional holiday for there is no day in the japanese calendar when the shops are all closed and even new year's day the great festival of the year finds most of the stores open yet the dwellers in these little homes living almost in the street and in the midst of the bustle and crowd and dust of tokyo 
have still time to enjoy their holidays and their little gardens and have more pleasure and less hard work than those under similar circumstances in our own country the stranger visiting any of the great japanese cities is surprised by the lack of large stores and manufactories and often wonders where the beautiful lacquer work and porcelains are made and where the gay silks and crepes are woven there are no large establishments where such things are turned out by wholesale the delicate vases the bronzes and the silks are often made in humblest of homes the work of one or two laborers with rudest tools there are no great manufactories to be seen and the bane of so many cities the polluting factory smoke never rises over the cities of japan the hard confining factory life with its never-ceasing roar of machinery bewildering the minds and intellects of the men who come under its deadening influences until they become scarcely more than machines themselves is a thing as yet almost unknown in japan the life of the jinrikisha man even hard and comfortless as it may seem to run all day like a horse through the crowded city streets is one that keeps him in the fresh air under the open sky and quickens his powers both of body and mind to the poor in japanese cities is never denied the fresh air and sunshine green trees and grass and the beautiful parks and gardens are found everywhere for the enjoyment of even the meanest and lowest on certain days in the month in different sections of the city are held night festivals near temples and many shopkeepers take the opportunity to erect temporary booths in which they arrange their wares as to tempt the passers-by as they go to and fro very often there is a magnificent display of young trees potted plants and flowers brought in from the country and ranged on both sides of the street here the gardeners make lively sales as the displays are often fine in themselves and show to a special advantage in the flaring torchlight the eager vendors who do all they can to call the attention of the crowd to their wares make many good bargains the purchase requires skill on both sides for flower men are, are proverbial in their high charges asking often five and ten times the real value of a plant but coming down in price almost immediately on remonstrance you ask the price of a dwarf wisteria growing in a pot the man answers at once two dollars two dollars you answer in surprise it is not worth more than thirty or forty cents seventy-five then he will respond and thus the buyer and seller approach nearer in price until the bargain is struck somewhere near the first price offered price another plant and there will be the same process to go over again but as the evening passes prices go lower and lower for the distances that the plants have been brought are great and the labor of loading up and carrying back the heavy pots is a weary one and when the last customer has departed the merchants must work late into the night to get their wares safely home again but besides the flower shops there are long rows of booths which with the many visitors who throng the streets make a gay and lively scene so dense is the crowd that it is with difficulty one can push through on foot or in jerinkasha the darkness is illuminated by torches whose weird flames flare and smoke in the wind and shine down upon the little sheds which line both sides of the road and continue so tempting a display of cheap toys and trinkets that not only the children but their elders are attracted by them some of the booths are devoted to dolls others to toys of various kinds still others to birds in cages goldfish in globes queer chirping insects in wicker baskets pretty ornaments for the hair fans candies and cakes of all sorts roasted beans and peanuts the other things too numerous to mention the long line of stalls ends with booths or tents in which shows of dancing jugglery educated animals and monstrosities natural or artificial 
may be seen for the moderate admission fee of two sen. Each of these shows is well advertised by the beating of drums, by the shouting of doorkeepers, by wonderful pictures on the outside to entice the passer-by, or even by an occasional brief lifting of the curtains, which veil the scene from the crowd, without just long enough to afford a tantalizing glimpse of the wonders within. Great is the fascination to the children in all these things, and the little feet are never weary until the last booth is passed, and the quiet of neighboring streets, lighted only by wandering lanterns, strikes the home-returning party by its contrast with the light and noise of the festival. The supposed object of the expedition, the visit to the temple, has occupied but a small share of time and attention, and the little hands are filled with amusing toys and trifles bought, and the little minds with the merry sights seen nor are those who remain at home forgotten but the pleasure-seekers who visit the fair carry away with them little gifts for each member of the family and the miage or present given on the return is a regular institution of japanese home life by ten o'clock when the crowds have dispersed and the purchasers have all gone home and gone to bed the busy booth-keepers take down their stalls pack up their wares and disappear leaving no trace of the night's gaieties to greet the morning sun End of section 107. This recording is in the public domain.